Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. Here's your host, Stacey Jones. Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacey Jones, and I'm so happy to be here with you all today, and I want to give a very warm welcome to William Perry. William is the founder and CEO of Reason Media, an elite media buyer's academy, where his e-commerce growth consultancy helps increase return on advertising spend and cost per acquisition with AI-driven optimization. Working with established brands to understand the power of great creative and strategic buying, William focuses on data-driven ad optimization that drives sales across e-commerce. Today, William and I are going to be talking about how to properly reduce your ad spend while also unlocking new growth. We'll learn what works from William's perspective, what should be avoided, and how some businesses just miss the mark. William, welcome. So happy to have you here today. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on. You're welcome. In your bio, we had a lot of like little tiny detail. <laughs> so what is it specifically that is your core? What is it that you do? Yeah. So I'm a copywriter and media buyer by trade. I run ads at its simplest level. And honestly, I love running ads. I still love running ads to this day. Um, It's kind of like kind of getting to be in your sandbox as a creative, but in a little bit of a different way. And the core area of focus nowadays in both areas is number one, my team and I help D2C brands and coaches and consultants reduce their customer acquisition cost through our testing and optimization processes that's within the agency side and then in the elite media buyers academy side i train agencies we train media buyers founders running their own ads how to implement our processes themselves so that they can reduce their customer acquisition cost spend more money scale their their revenue further and unlock that new growth so basically overall you're helping everyone drive growth while saving money 100%. Yep. That exactly. is your, your day-to-day job, saving yep. money and getting more eyeballs. Yep, exactly. How did you get started in this? Uh, so my first day as a marketer, my then boss at the time picked me up in her Cadillac Escalade, handed me a camera, dropped me off at the back of a driving range because I worked at a junior golf boarding academy, and then basically said, good luck. Literally no formal training. I came out of school with a degree in journalism and digital media. So I'm essentially a copywriter by trade, you know, went to school for that, you know, a while back and, you know, because I had no guidance and no training and really no oversight, I was like, I should probably learn about SEO and PPC and email and lead generation. And back in those days, like I would literally print out all these articles from, SEO world and social media examiner. He's still around. They have social media world, social media examiner. And I would literally print out the articles and I had this huge binder that I would just stack these articles in. And that was my digital marketing education. Okay. Yeah. But that education is probably more valuable than what 
pretty much anyone comes out of college with because they're yeah. not learning SEO. That's a topic for another day on my viewpoints of the college education system. <laughs> During COVID, we had our intern team who just would not leave because we had something that was a consistent ongoing base for them yeah. and they were getting value from us. And they're like, you know, we're learning more than we are in college right now. 100%. And so they kept sticking around and wanting to stick around. Some of them rolled into jobs because they yeah. learned enough to be able to actually put their market hats on themselves. So yeah. I'm surprised by your story. Yeah. The on the job, I'm a huge believer in training, growth and development. Mm -hmm. I obviously sell training. I train marketers. So like, obviously, but I also have a belief and a perspective that self-guided training and development is just as important as your company, et cetera, putting a training program or process in place for you as well, because I would not be anywhere as close as to where I am in my career, if I didn't take responsibility and accountability for my own growth and development from all, I mean, you know, digital marketing changes like every day. So if we're not keeping ourselves up on top of that, there's no way that we're going to be at the top of our, our industry. Yeah. And it changes all the time. I mean, yeah. digital marketing is not something that you know, there's some great textbooks out there and there's some great handbooks that are out there. But as soon as there's a new shift in the algorithm, everything goes out the window and you have to try something again, although you have your basics at least that are still there for building the blocks. foundation. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So that's how I got here. Just dug my nose into countless different materials and, you know, rolled my sleeves up and what is it? 15 years later, owner of two companies about to launch a third and you know, I wouldn't have done it if I didn't take my skill development pretty seriously. That's awesome. Congratulations to you. Thank, thank you. I appreciate that. So when we're looking at all of these different things that people do and the ways they spend and you can save them money and get them more eyeballs and I'll keep on saying that. <laughs> how do you, when you first sit down with a client, whether it's a B2B or whether it's more of a consumer brand, what yeah. is the hat you put on? What is it that are the steps that you take them through to figure out how to unleash this unbelievable potential for them? Yeah. So a couple of simple steps really understanding what the goal and the target is. So as we kind of chat, I'll probably use like some made up stats and examples just to give people some ideas. A lot of people, yeah, and you probably see this too. We need 5X return from our marketing, right? I need a 5X ROI. Okay. So before I start to like battle them on all the reasons why it may or may not be possible, you know, we essentially go into a deep discovery, understanding their targets, understanding their desires, and then, you know, we do a data deep dive. So a pretty in-depth analysis to see whether or not their goals are actually in, are capable of meeting reality mm -hmm. and meeting expectations. So we do an exercise that I call the ad ROI formula, where we pull all of their historical data. We actually run statistical models to be able to find out if their goals are actually possible mm -hmm. based on industry standards, based on their own KPIs within their own business. So that that way, at least like, do we know if we're setting ourselves up for failure from the beginning? Yeah. Actually, great example of this team was on a call with a client earlier today and they're like, oh, we need a seven X return. We're like, timeout. You did not mention anything about any of this throughout the entire discovery process, goal setting, outer OI, all the things were like hope in a dream. Right. So then 
And so for our listeners here, you're saying spend $100, you need $700 back in sales, basically. Right, exactly. And so, you know, a lot of times in the agency world, or even if you're in-house, these expectations can be put on you that are just like nowhere even close to being based on reality or fact. They're just hopes and dreams and wishes, right? So we go about a process to keep it very unbiased so that we can coach our clients and the brands we work with through what their expectations could or should be. So that way it's not like an us versus them Mm -hmm. sort of situation. I'm a big believer in making decisions from the data and then using experience as a guide versus Mm -hmm. using opinion for whether or not something should be true or not. And so, you know, we start with obviously understanding that context. We do a data deep dive. And then with that analysis, we will give them recommendations on what is needed in order to hit the ROI that they want to hit. Mm-hmm. For example, if anybody who listens to the show is an e-com brand owner or they work with an e-com brand, maybe they're an e-com consultant, maybe they're an agency that works with e-com, maybe they're an ad buyer that works with e-com, like we won't touch anything nowadays from an offer or product perspective under basically a $75 AOV. Mm-hmm. reason for that in its simplest level is really hard to make it profitable. And so we want to get an, under, an understanding of like, hey, if client wants a 3x return, well, they actually need a $100 acquisition offer built for paid traffic instead of trying to market this $40 product and get a 3x return from it. So with the name of the show, the, the mistakes that people make, mm-hmm. I think they go to battle with paid traffic with the wrong offer. And and not an offer that is built for paid traffic that allows them to subsequently be successful. And that makes sense. So a lot of times, so what you're saying here is that people's price point on the item that they're selling is not going to actually sell enough to make it profitable for them to be able to do sales online. Yeah. Well, in a profitable way to meet the expectations that they have. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. They might be able to sell product, but the margin there is not going to be there based off of the amount that they have to invest in to actually get that product sold. Yeah, hundred percent. And so a lot of companies will struggle to get their paid traffic to be at a break even or profitable because the acquisition strategy was flawed from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. And so I would say, I mean, I almost couldn't emphasize that enough for, you know, anyone who is an e-com that will listen to the episode or the show is to strongly consider your actual acquisition offer that you're running through paid traffic mm-hmm. so that you don't set yourself up for failure. And then you go through agency through agency through agency when in reality, like it's was never the agency's fault. It was never the marketer's fault. It was never the copywriter's fault. It was whosever fault it was to basically take accountability for the offer that we were running. But oftentimes those become business model problems. Right. Because if you're faced with a brand and this is their product A that sells for, you know, X, Y, Z amount of money and the brand manager is like, I just got to sell this stuff. Yeah. And they're not thinking the big picture of what it actually costs to sell. Right. Absolutely. So how do you have those conversations? How do you train people on that? (laughs) I'm just very direct with and honest with them. I'm a little bit of a, I kind of take this So for me. You know, I'm a big believer that to get where we want to go, we have to do what hasn't been done. And at the same time, we have to be willing to say the things that might be uncomfortable in order for our partners to actually grow. Mm -hmm. And so with that, 
I usually will kind of say something like, look, it's better for us to talk about this now because you're probably going to fire me 90 days from now anyways when you realize that all of this doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. So it makes more sense for me to be upfront and honest with you, which is inconsistency with our values of authenticity, honesty, and integrity, because it's just going to cause pain for you and me later if we don't address the right things now. And that only comes with experience, right? Like the only way that any of us know how to talk about anything like that up front is because we've experienced that pain a hundred times and we don't mm-hmm. want to do it again. So yeah, we're just very straightforward with them. We're very direct. We don't make big grandiose claims like telling clients we're going to get them a 10x return. Like we don't promise them the world and deliver them, you know, completely under deliver to them. If anything, we try to really hard set baseline expectations so that everything that we over deliver on is something that they're just completely happy with. And obviously there's always those that you can't satisfy, but we try, of course, especially in marketing, (laughs) but, you know, we try to just be very direct with them from the beginning. And so when you start working with a client, they're brand new, what's the first step that you do in order to get things on the way? So that's going to have these massive success stories. Yeah. I mean, you know, kind of going at the root of how we reduce traffic cost in order to unlock new growth, we implement a very detailed testing procedure with ads. So this is what I train in-house marketers and media buyers and agencies on our four-phase testing approach towards paid social and paid traffic. And, you know, we, we either A, do it for them or B, train them on how to use it. And all in all, it's a very simple process that's almost impossible to replicate unless you've had a significant amount of training on it. But that testing procedure, I wouldn't go as far to say that it's bulletproof, but it's probably the next closest thing for it to be. It really allows those who are running the ads, the marketers, the media buyers, the agencies, et cetera, to gain absolute clarity on what exactly is working with their ads and why down to the individual level of detail of an individual ad element, like a hook or a text overlay or a headline or a variation thereof. And that process has been wildly effective for us in spending tens upon tens upon millions of dollars in ads. And so you've gotten the team on board, you're processing it through. What then? Like how, you know, is it you're ready to go, ads are going up or okay, hold a beat. We actually need to develop creative. We need to like develop your copy. We need to develop, or is the brand just coming to you with all of that all created already? I mean, on on our side, we wish that everybody was just prepared with everything ready to go, but we handle the majority of the creative development for the brands that we work with. So there's a massive amount of time put into the copywriting and the messaging, most specifically that then transitions over into the creative development. So we're a copy first um, and messaging first agency. Um, You know, we don't arbitrarily, and I think this is a common mistake that a lot of brands make as well as media buyers and and agencies is they just develop creative for the sake of developing creative without intent down to what exactly will work because they've actually tested it. And I think a lot of us fall trap into creating instead of editing and optimizing And so what we teach uh, marketers and uh, media buyers how to do is, is we teach them how to optimize through their winning ad formula instead of 
getting stuck into this process of constantly creating the next big idea, mm -hmm. which is exhausting from a mental bandwidth perspective, right? Because creative is not easy and developing new creative ideas is not easy either. No, especially when you have clients who are like, just make something that will sell. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> All right. Got yeah. it, man. Yeah. <laughs> I want exactly. it. Yep. So how long does that process actually take typically to create the content that you are then going to use to advertise? Because it's really with bad content, your ads yeah. are going to fail. With yeah. great content without a good paid strategy, your ads are going to fail. Yeah, for sure. It obviously can vary, of course, like on the UGC creative side can take anywhere from three to 10 days when you're sending product to creators and things like that can definitely take a little bit longer. So we were just diving in and chatting in regards to all the different things and ways that you can actually leverage and get this to actually come to fruition. You have good copy, you have good advertising. What are the mistakes brands are making along the way with this? Yeah, I, I would say one of the biggest mistakes is the randomizing the way that they approach their actual running of their ad campaigns. Um, they either don't have a formal and documented testing process to get results. Um, they haven't trained their media buyers and those who are running paid traffic for them on a formal testing process and procedure. Or thirdly, with randomness, it's they're just like, I have some copy, I have some creative, let's put it into Facebook and see what happens. We gain so much detail into what actual style of messaging works with our ad campaigns, like proclamation hooks, like promise hooks, mm -hmm. like X result and Y time headlines, because we test for scale. Mm -hmm. And the biggest mistake that brands make is they don't test for scale and they give away too much control to the ad platform, Facebook, TikTok, they use dynamic creative when they're testing, and then they don't know what actual message or copy is working. They don't actually know what creative is actually driving sales or leads for them. Mm -hmm. And then when they go to scale it, it doesn't work because they haven't actually mastered the foundation, which is the messaging. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, they sort of get themselves stuck in this constant creation mode of next creative, next creative, next creative which just shows, unfortunately, it doesn't show a level of mastery or understanding when it comes to like what will actually help them drive success from paid traffic. And along those ways, if you're not actually measuring, you are going to just have a steep dive to go off of a cliff because it's not going to make sense at the end of the day. Well, uh, yeah. And with measuring, and I would say measuring the wrong KPIs, um, so a lot of brands will track their ROAS and make decisions based on return on ad spend. But return on ad spend is a variable that is impacted by user journey. And so when you've got a whole variety of products and SKUs that you sell on your site, that can create sporadic performance on a day-to-day -day or a week-to-week -week basis because you're at liberty of what the customer decides to buy. Mm -hmm. And so... I'm a big advocate of what I call closed loop funnels, which essentially means one ad, one product, one offer, one destination. So that one message drives home a clear one message call to action mm -hmm. on the conversion of that product so that we're not seeing all this inconsistent revenue data that then leads to inconsistent return. 
which then leads to people wanting to pull their hair out because they can't understand why their, you know, their ROAS is fluctuating so much. But it's from the onset of actually how to set up properly to get foundational, you know, metrics to measure sustainable success. Right. So what are other things that go wrong? Yeah. um, Not having enough creative to scale when you're scaling, um, not testing. So one of the biggest downfalls is when people sort of get complacent and they're like, oh, I'm scaling now. That means that I've done all the hard work and now I can just ride, ride it out. Just spend five times more. I'm scaling. Yeah. But that's the exact time to be testing. Like when the going is good is when you should be putting in the most work to find your next winning ad. Because you don't want to be at liberty to when that ad just starts to decline. Where most people go wrong is they're not proactive with their actual ad management and the way that they buy paid media. And so when those ads start to decline, then revenue declines or leads decline. Mm -hmm. And then clients unhappy, brands unhappy, agencies unhappy, who's ever running the ads is unhappy. But in reality, we were 7, 14, 30 days behind because we should have been testing new ad angles, new messaging, new creative so much further in advance to prepare for the the fatigue so that when the ad fatigues, we just simply replace it with the next winning ad. But like most things in life, you know, it requires work. And when you don't put in the work, that's when things start to hit obstacles, challenges and things like that. Okay. And then where can, besides in measurement, like are there key things that brands should be really looking for, whether it's internally themselves or to their agencies on what is being measured? I mean, I I really think that enough brands don't measure their customer lifetime value and make decisions based on customer lifetime value. The big boys, when we're working with eight-figure brands and beyond, you know, they know they're willing to spend more than most. And it's not because it's not always just because they have more money than the little guy. It's because they understand that a customer's worth $500 to them. Mm-hmm. And they're willing to spend two times the amount that you're willing to spend in order to get that customer because they've proven that they, that that customer will spend a 500 bucks with them. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the difference between the little guy, you know, sub 100K a month, D to C brand, even couple mil D to C brand and the eight figure and beyond is the eight figure and beyond ha- is now making decisions based on customer lifetime value, like how they buy stocks. And so what I mean by that is they're looking at a longer term prospectus of ROI and growth versus one day ROAS, which is how most small businesses really judge their marketing is I spent $1 today. Did I generate at least $2? But what about the next 30, 60 days where you can then generate purchase number two, three, and four from the customer that you just acquired today? Big, big boy brand is making decisions based on purchases three, four, and five, you know, small minded in reality, the small mindedness of making decisions on one day ROAS is what usually keeps most brands from scaling and ultimately, you know, closing, to be honest. 
And then um, if our listeners want to know more about you, how to find you, the Will Perry <laughs> of digital ads, where can they go? Yeah, so they can check out www.elitemediabuyersacademy.com. All of the SOPs and testing processes and strategies that I've shared today, we actually offer that through a $7 trial at elitemediabuyersacademy.com. We have a mastermind program where we train media buyers, agency owners, in-house marketers, et cetera, on some of the strategies and tactics that I've talked about today. So they can check out elitemediabuyersacademy.com. That's very cool. Only for $7. (laughs) This limited time window. Exactly. Jumping back into, you know, digital ad spend, is there a minimum amount that a brand needs to actually be able to afford to pay in order to make this worthwhile? We already talked about the fact that you needed to have a high enough priced item to make advertising worthwhile, but is there a, a rule of thumb here? Yeah. I mean, you know, if I were to start an account from scratch, two to $300 a day minimum is what I would want to see. And it's because of statistical significance. Like it's purely from a data perspective. It's not because I want you to spend 10 grand. It's because I need to be able to produce a volume of tests to find out what works for you in order to maybe get to a point of scaling at some point. So, and I would take that one step deeper. You know, if you don't have honestly 10 to 30 K that you're willing to part ways with, um, to learn from, to, to drive data, to, to gain insights on, it's going to be tough to ever get it off the ground. The usually one thing that I'll say is the way that you spend the first 10 grand is the worst that you're ever going to spend it when it comes to paid traffic. And it's because there's so many learnings, you know, even when you're like, even for me, honestly, like I've, I've spent more than 65 million in my career. I'm still learning when, when I, when I'm taking over a new offer or a new account, like, yes, do I have the advantage of experience behind me? Of course, but like all sorts of things still will be a surprise when you're scaling some, some offer up for the first time, or you're testing an offer for the first time. And I think that just helps people to know that like, this is a gradual process. It gets better. The way that you first spend the first 10 grand is not the way that you'll spend the next 10. And you're saying there that you need to have 75,000 to about $110,000 to realistically be able to put together a campaign in a year time period and on a continuous basis, or are you just within a year? mm -hmm, You're doing two to $300 a day, or is that just a testing time period? Yeah. Testing time period. Because, because I don't really look at, I actually don't talk budgets with my clients. We don't talk monthly budgets. We don't talk yearly budgets. We talk about daily spend. And that's because the, the, everyone will, and you probably have this too, clients like, if you can get me a 5X return, I'll spend whatever you want me to spend, right? They, they all say it, right? So when the results are there, budgets go out the window. And so that's why it's more about testing process and proving things out. Because there's plenty of ways to find money. There's plenty of ways to get funding. There's plenty of ways to get capital in order to invest into your your ads or your growth, et cetera. It's more about you can't scale without testing system. 
that 10K in testing is going to allow you to get the insights on what you need in order to scale, or it's going to get you clarity to refine what you're currently running so that you can then scale. I've never had a client that said, don't scale when we're hitting KPI, like unless they're significantly limited from inventory for some specific reason, which happens, the scaling is going to be had as long as the numbers are there to justify it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So. You're like, don't do the math based on a year. Come on. Yeah, no. Too much can happen. Yeah, too much can change. Okay. Any other last parting words of advice for our listeners today? Man, I think we touched on making decisions from customer lifetime value is a big piece of advice that I would definitely hit home on. I would definitely, you know, dig into further of building a offer for paid traffic versus trying to force a square peg into a round hole. That is a big one. Give yourself a fighting chance. The best offers through paid traffic right now are subscriptions, high ticket AOV, stuff $100 and more, lead gen, call funnels. If you're selling a product that's less than a hundred bucks through an ad, like unless it's the latest and greatest innovation in such and such industry, it's going to be hard for you to be profitable. And so, you know, it's just good to have that understanding before going in, unless you are taking a different approach to like, Hey, I'm willing to lose money on my acquisition because I'm, I'm playing a bigger game here. Like I'm, I'm setting up for an exit. My goal is, my goal is growth. My goal is top line growth. And I need to show investors my top line growth. Okay, cool. I can get on board with that strategy. So that would be another one. So the acquisition offers built for paid traffic and having a detailed testing process and procedure to gain clarity on what exactly is working with your ads and why focus more on optimizing through your winning ad formula and focus less on your next round of creations that are may or may not be random or justified by data. Those would be for sure three key takeaways that I think People could, if they really like sat and marinated on those, like they'd make a massive difference for sure. Yeah. Well, Will, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate your time, your insights, the havoc of the internet. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. It was a pleasure. Yeah. So I think that you shed a lot of light. You know, I I think the biggest thing that I've encountered in talking with a lot of different brands is that they don't weigh the fact that creative is as important as your ad strategy. And they want to race to the point where they get to the spend and they start seeing results and they don't always have the patience along the way to develop something that is going to be worth putting your money behind to advertise. So thank you, especially for, you know, highlighting that because I see that pop up again and again and again. A lot of, they don't want to invest in creative and it's like, the messaging is the, is the scaling lever. So yeah, I'm glad that, that we philosophically align. Hopefully that will be some breakthroughs. uh, Maybe even some of your clients or guests or anything like that. It's good for them to hear it from a third source, you know, at some point. 
Absolutely. It's about the strategy, right? And it's that you can go out and you're going to be able to find, you know, mills all over the world and other countries who can run a Facebook campaign or a Google campaign and, you know, they can put dollars to it and that's fine. But what they're not able to do is actually build the strategy and build the creative that you're looking for that Will and his team are so core at doing. And that's why they're able to you know, provide and give some of those guarantees of really high results, even though maybe not that seven times for that one client. Um, but that's what—that's the difference of working with the digital agency who actually is using strategy um, sure. within your planning. And that's important. So thank you for sharing your light on that. Um, yeah, pleasure. To all of our listeners, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I look forward to chatting with you this next week. And if along the way you start thinking about how can I get the magic power of influencer marketing to work for my brand, we can talk strategy and creative. Happy to do it. And we will be able to develop a plan that works for you. Have a great day.